0: If you're consistent in a lot of different things, you probably will make results, but it also is important if you're gonna be making these large decisions about consistency that you're, you're going down the right pathway.
1: I think one of the important parts of having success over a long period of time is almost finding failures, but only by showing up and only by putting yourself out there, having goals, pursuing those, do you get to find the opportunities where things might not work, and then you can pivot to the things that do. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eagle Lab podcast. My name is Brian. I'm Tony. And today we are going to talk about compounding. That's it.
0: Compounding is a magical principle, magical concept, and it can completely change the way that you think about your life and productivity and pretty much everything, including wealth
1: and money. Yeah, if you've got goals, this is a great way to leverage getting there. Hi Tony, I know both you and I love this story about compounding. Why don't you take us through it?
0: Okay, so the story goes like this. There was a king who loved chess, and he wanted to hold a chess tournament. To incentivize people to participate, he said he would honor any prize that they chose. Upon losing to a sage, the sage requested that he meagerly and modestly only put one grain of rice on the first square and then double that grain of rice for each subsequent square on the chessboard. The king quickly realized that he would be unable to fulfill the promise because on the 20th square, the king would have had to put 1 million grains of rice on the board. And on the 40th square, the king would have had to put 1 billion grains of rice. And finally, on the 64th square, the king would have had to put 210 billion tons of rice. Which, if you can imagine that, that's allegedly enough to cover the entire territory of India with a meter thick layer of rice that is a lot of rice
1: that's a lot of rice
0: <laughs> yes it is so that kind of demonstrates the power of compounding and it's very it, humans have a hard time even picturing how much the effect of compounding has because you, we don't we do, just don't comprehend like the doubling of things like that our brains aren't wired to imagine that kind of growth.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, everyone, when you talk about compounding, a lot of people's first thought probably goes to money. Cause we always hear, you know, investing over time, but as we're going to talk about today, there's so many ways that you can apply the same principle of compounding to, you know, learning new languages, uh, growing, getting better at your job or your career anything like that. So yeah, it's a great, great skill, great tool.
0: Yeah. Uh, So one, one kind of framework that a lot of people use in regards to using compounding to grow as an individual is the 1% rule. You want to talk a little bit about that, right, Brian?
1: Yeah. So um, when you think about the compounding, you know, it doesn't always have to be doubling to have tremendous effects. Even just getting 1% better at something every single day can give you tremendous gains. So Tony, do you know what the number is? If you get 1% better every single day for 365 days, how much better will you be at the end of a year?
0: Um, that depends on, are, are we talking the 1% is compounding? Or are we saying yeah, it's 1% like,
1: compounding? I don't know the number. What's the number, Brian? Number is you'd be 37 times better. Not 37%, 37 times better at the end of the year.
0: Wow. That's a lot. But I do want to make the distinction that let's say let's say you weren't let's say you weren't even compounding one percent better you'd still be three hundred and sixty five percent better yeah which is huge that's like over over three and a half times better even without compounding if you could improve by one percent a day.
1: Yeah, there's a great uh, Woody Allen quote I think about all the time. It's 90% of life is just showing up. So being consistent, staying with, you know, if you have a goal, stick with it. If you have a skill you're working on, stick with it.
0: Let's maybe explore a little bit about, like, what does 1% better look like? How can you become 1% better in a day? Is it realistic to compound, like, that 1%?
1: Yeah, Tony. There's a tremendous story that kind of goes with the one percent rule. So back in 2005, the British cycling team they hire a new coach, a new performance director, and they go from being the laughing stock of the cycling community. They don't win anything. They're coming in last place. You know, nobody wants to be associated with them. Within five years, they come back. They start winning Tour de Frances. They start winning gold medals. They start winning everything. Nobody can beat these guys. And the question becomes, you know, how did they get? So much better so fast. And what it comes down to is they didn't leave any stone unturned. They got 1% better all the time. And that was finding different pillows to sleep on when they would train to get better night's sleep, analyzing their uniforms so that they was the perfect blend that they could coast through the air faster, analyzing every single part of the bike to make sure that it was optimized for each rider, using different massage gels so they would recover a day faster or 1% better. And all these things put together, accumulated in these tremendous growths in a very short period of time. So I think when you look at like, you know, if you're somebody who's in an area where you want to get better on a team, find all the little ways you can get better and start chipping away at those.
0: That's a great story. I think, I think it really changes the way that we look at success, because I think a lot of times, there's when people see success, it it always shows in these very dramatic ways, like these overnight successes, one, you know, pop song of the of the year just like came out of nowhere. But in reality, I think the truth of the matter is, that it's just, it's the collection of all the little things that these that people do. And those compound into these huge results, that it's, it's things that you don't even think of, like the small things every day. When you do all of those, it's it adds up to that 1% or that 2% or the 3% that just grows and grows and grows.
1: There's a great quote. I forget who it's attributed to, but it's like, you know, I took, I took 20 years to become an overnight success.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And when I think about like some of those little things in my own life that I often think about is just little things like instead of working in my bed, working at, making sure I compartmentalize and like only work at my desk so that I can shift gears faster when I'm like going from rest or, or to work and that I can sleep better at night.
1: Yeah, we talked in the podcast, the second one we did about time management and you had shared a lot about uh, making sure you turn your phone off an hour before bed, leaving it outside your bedroom. That way it doesn't distract you and you can unwind
0: yeah or or other little things like just in putting in place systems that that don't seem that insignificant but can make a big difference like like placing your shoes in front of your bed before you go, so that you wake up and run in the morning and just all those little things tend to add up to create these huge amounts of success that you wouldn't even realize
1: yeah i mean even just you know us working on this podcast we started a few months ago and it seems like the more we show up you know the better we get and it feels like it's happening faster the more we've shown up you know the growth we had in the first month didn't seem as much as the month as the growth we've had over maybe the last month it's just all these things showing up and trying to get better it paves the way
0: yeah it really does and i think a lot of that has to do with when you when you create things and create this framework and this foundation for yourself it's more, it's easier to add on to those things. So like, once we created a system for keeping our notes and making our outlines, then we could, we could add on to that in new ways, that wouldn't have been possible without the initial foundation. And I think that's, that's part of the magic of compounding, the more things that you have in your life, that you just put in that extra effort, it it creates new avenues for opportunity.
1: Yeah. I and, mean, you know, success leads to success. When you are successful in things, it allows you to quickly find other people who are successful, other connections, other resources. You know, you become a resource and you can start helping other people. And teaching is a great way to learn. So just all those little things come together. Success leads to more success.
0: Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of the idea of like start with one habit and use that as like an anchored habit. So once you have one, Secure habit you can start building other habits into that same same concept of like a foundation So maybe every morning before you brush your teeth you do one other thing that could be really helpful for you like uh, Do five push-ups or something and then you can start building off of literally habits to create more beneficial habits
1: Yeah, when I think about habits and compounding the clear overlap is consistency. Uh, What are some of your thoughts on consistency?
0: I think consistency is extremely underrated. A lot of people think that working hard is the answer to getting things done and moving the needle. However, I think more so than working hard, consistency is important. If you just take the small steps, as we've been alluding to this entire time, if you take the small step every day and make sure that you do it every day, That will get you further than putting in like a short burst every week or so because the compounding effect. And one way to kind of build on that and to make sure that you're consistent is to just reduce the friction. And we've, as we've mentioned in past episodes, reducing the friction into doing things. So, like, instead of saying, promising yourself you'll write like 20 pages, promise yourself. You'll just open your laptop and open Word or whatever you write on, a Google Doc. And then from there, it's kind of like the sunk cost fallacy. I open my computer, I might might as well write a little bit. Applying strategies like that can help you be more consistent, which in turn can cause the compound effect, which is the principle of reaping huge rewards from a series of small, smart choices.
1: Yeah, if you're looking for tips on reducing friction, check out episodes one and two of the Eagle Lab podcast. You know, a practical way that I think about reducing friction is playing guitar. I leave my guitar on a stand versus being in a case so that way I can just walk by and pick it right up. So I play it every day and I noticed that when I play it every day for a month, I feel a lot better at the end of that month than I do if I only play it for three days. You know, I can play a full song or I can, you know, play my, my fingers feel like they're hitting the right spots on the guitar. Versus finally pick it up for a couple of days here or there, you know, next week, pick it up a little bit, it's a little tougher to get that same feeling on the guitar and get that same level of growth.
0: Yeah, I, I think it definitely has to do with something, something to do with like the way we learn and the way we, we grow. I think just doing something every day really facilitates those neural pathways growing. And I've noticed that some of my like strongest periods of learning and growth are when I, work towards the same thing on like consecutive days in a row rather than like shifting gears and switching between things.
1: Yeah. it's always important to ask the question, you know, like, where do you want to be putting your time and, you know, how do you set up a framework to be able to do that? Yeah.
0: And for the listeners out there, that begs the question, like, are you, do you think you're focused enough on one or two things that you are building that cumulative knowledge? or are you to spread out? Are you are you focusing on many things that don't really get the attention that they deserve to create that snowball effect?
1: Yeah, will you care about what you're doing a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now?
0: Yeah, just to kind of visualize that, that idea. Let's say you have one snowball at the top of the hill, and you start pushing it down, and it's rolling, and it's getting bigger. And then instead of keep going and, and turning that snowball into an avalanche, you switch and run back to the top of the hill and start a new snowball. And then you roll that snowball down the hill and then you stop maybe even sooner. And then, and then a new snowball, the snowball will never make it to that point where it turns into an avalanche. You're just going to have like four or five. And, you know, in some cases like 20 or 30 small little mediocre sized snowballs that don't really equate to any outstanding results.
1: I think a little caveat to that is you got to know when to pivot and persevere. So it might be better to have four little snowballs and one avalanche than it is to have, you know, one avalanche and something that isn't something you're really passionate about or something that's doesn't bring you a lot of value. So there can be some value in starting a couple, but the key is to make sure that you're not spread too thin and that you're paying attention to the right avalanches.
0: Yeah, again, and it, that, that's a really difficult thing to know. Sometimes it's hard to know what to work on. And we talked a lot about that in our Destinations episode. How do, how do you know what you want to work on? What's your destination? So if you, if you need more insight on that, check out episode one, Destinations.
1: Yeah, perfect. Yeah, there's a really interesting concept I've been playing around with lately, um, and it's study the history and philosophy and not the news. And that doesn't mean that you can't pay attention to current events, but the point is, what is important today is different tomorrow is different the next day, you get caught up on all these little pieces and all these little stories, where when you study philosophy and history, and you read things like, you know, meditations by Marcus Aurelius, things that stand the test of time, uh, you can kind of have a more global picture and you can kind of see things um, over a longer period of growth versus getting caught up on those like moment to moment or day to day things.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm not a huge fan of the news. I feel like it's distracting, and I feel like it's kind of a detractor of value rather than anything else. And history you can you can make better predictions of the future with history than than anything because you can study the patterns of just human nature. And as Brian was saying, you can kind of get a more global picture. But beyond beyond that, knowing where to spend your time that that brings in one of the concepts and principles that we are that we use and talk about a lot is the Pareto Principle.
1: Yeah, the Pareto Principle, if you're not familiar with it, you might have heard of it as the 80-20 Principle, where 80% of the results come from 20% of the inputs. So this goes across all domains, whether it's, you know, investing money or investing in your career, investing in relationships, um, paying attention to which 20% really moves the needle will get you the 80% of results.
0: Yeah, and so that can be really helpful because if you're consistent in a lot of different things, you probably will make results, but it also is important if you're going to be making these large decisions about consistency that you're, you're going down the right pathway, which is where the 80, 20 principle could be a really valuable rule. Try and be consistent and devote the most time to the things that are in the top 20% of importance in your life.
1: I think one of the important parts of, having success over a long period of time is almost finding failures. When you keep showing up to things, you're going to find things that don't work. You're going to find areas where you can make those decisions up. No, I really do need to pivot here, but only by showing up and only by putting yourself out there, having goals, pursuing those, do you get to find the opportunities where things might not work? And then you can pivot to the things that do.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a tough challenge that you kind of brought up because it's very difficult to move past the sunk cost fallacy. So if somebody has been consistent with something for a long time, even something like a career, if you've been doing a career for 20 years, you're good at it, you've applied that compounding principle, but is that really what you wanna be doing? Are you happy with those results? So just knowing when to pivot and finding those failures and figuring out what you don't like now so you can get on that train start building that snowball in the right area of your life is so important.
1: Yeah. It makes me think of the negativity bias. You know, they do these studies and they ask people, you know, would you be willing to bet $20 to win $20 and overwhelmingly people say no. And they find that the amount they have to offer people to win has to be pretty high. It's like 40 or $60 for a lot of people that they'd be willing to risk that $20. A place we see this often is relationships. You know, I've had some relationships that have gone on for years and you wind up getting to the point where maybe you feel like it's not the right fit, but you know, you do have so many good moments and there are so many good things it can be hard to look past that. But you think, yeah, maybe this isn't for me. I have to give up some of the good stuff for the potential of having maybe things that are better fit or that are more for me in the future. And that could be really, really difficult. It took in some cases a very long time to come to grips with that. But, you know, that's part of life.
0: Yeah, obviously, I don't know anything about marriage at my age, but it makes you wonder like how many people are in unhappy marriages or unhappy relationships just because of like the sunk cost fallacy and how much happier could they be if they just switch gears, started pushing a new snowball down that hill?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's the right answer, right? Like neither of us are going to sit here and say, you know, what people should do. You know, there's a great quote, the grass is always green where you water it. You know, you have to kind of toe the line, you know, when you think about anything, right? Like where you put your energy, you know, you're going to see potentially results. But
0: yeah. Maybe like watering, you know, a relationship that you feel like you can't get out of, or maybe that you're not happy in. Maybe what you need is just some consistency in something that you think is broken. And that could go a long way with compounding. The principle could be applied anywhere, really. Maybe, maybe unhappy marriages just need to really anything i don't want to like put any particular emphasis on unhappy marriages it's just an arbitrary example but maybe unhappy marriages need like watering in in their relationships that could actually solve it that way rather than switching gears again it's just choosing the right things and knowing when to quit and then knowing when to just stay consistent
1: yeah, one of the greatest predictors actually in happy relationships from what I've read in my experience is just doing little things that show you care go a long way to building trust and building love. And, you know, those little things go a long way in any relationship, whether it's, you know, romantic or friendships um, or things at work, right? Like showing up and showing you care goes a long way to building trust.
0: Yeah, I can speak to that on a personal account. Sometimes it like in some of my friendships, I've had some rocky times and I found that just the tiniest things of like going up and showing appreciation to your friend and kind of doing, making little efforts to keep them in the loop and reach out. Those things make a huge difference.
1: Where you water, the grass
0: grows. Yeah. I hope we're kind of painting the picture here that this principle really can be applied to anything. You know, we had the bikers, they did that little 1%. They just changing the pillows and changing the the gears on the bike. And it, it applies to relationships. It applies to money it applies to everything just if you if you put in that consistency over time it's more about doing it over time it, it turns into this huge avalanche of success and and results good or bad good or bad
1: yeah i mean you mentioned money there and you know one of the most famous investors is warren buffett um you know he's a really an investor but the simple principle that he always looks back on when people ask him what made him so successful, you know, he always says it's not timing the market and knowing when to get in, it's getting in and being there for a long time. So it's time in the market versus timing the market.
0: Yeah, and and Warren Buffett, to even really blow up this compounding thing, Warren Buffett made like $80 billion in like the past 10 years of his life, like something crazy like that. that that's a guess, but it's something around that figure where like, the majority of his wealth was made in the latter periods of his investing journey, just like totally exploded with results. So if you think about it, the longer you, you stay in the game and the longer you show up, 90% of life is showing up Woody Allen, the longer you're there, the more, the more time to create those huge astounding results.
1: Yeah. I mean, you hear people talk about retiring who get close and they're like, maybe they don't have what they were hoping to have. You know, and it's like, oh, when did you start investing? And, you know, your 401, 401k, 403b, oh, just 10 years ago, you know, somebody who starts young, you know, it doesn't take much when you start young, just building over time. Super important.
0: Yeah. And, you know, my, my like startup lens is coming in here, you know, time in the game doesn't necessarily need to be just like this linear, oh, am I doing it every day? Am I doing it once a week? I think the interval that you do things and the amount of time that you do things also contributes, like the total amount of time in the game. So maybe you can change the frequency of the amount of times that you do things. Let's say you let's say you do something three times a day, then you're allocating a total of a lot more time and allowing that compounding interval to be much more condensed and much more at a much faster rate.
1: Yeah. If you get paid, you know, a dividend on something weekly versus once a quarter or once a year, you're going to see a lot more results. Even if it's just the same number over the course of the year, getting it faster actually compounds it quicker.
0: Exactly. So that's, so when we say time involved, that includes all the time that you put into something. And to kind of demonstrate this again, one more time, the idea of concept, of compounding, If a 25-year-old started investing $200 per month, assuming a 6% return, by the time they turned 65, they'd have a nest egg worth $393,000. But if they'd waited until 35 to start investing $200 a month, even with the same rate of return, they'd end up with about half of that with $200,000 by the age of 65.
1: Yeah, so double.
0: Double, just just by starting earlier. So that they had an additional 10 years time in the game. And they had doubled the results with less total input.
1: You can run the numbers a bunch of different ways. You can start earlier and stop and still have more than someone who invests a lot more later in life. Yeah. For the listeners out there, what's the one area that you're going to care about 10 years from now, 20 years from now that you really want to spend your time compounding on?
0: Yeah. How can you make that easy for yourself? Get involved. Just make sure you're doing it every day. Yeah, we would love to hear it. Reach out to us. We promise we will get back to you if you reach out. And we're looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. If you made it this far, we love you. Can't wait to see you in the next episode. Before you go, make sure to check out our top book recommendations, guided worksheets, and reflective questions on egolab.us. You can also find us on all social at EgoLab Podcast. We encourage you to reach out and join the conversation. If you find some value in any of these resources that we spent hours building for you, a five-star review for this podcast would be much appreciated. See you all on the next one. Peace.